I guess the only place I can really start this is to just ask. It's been a while since we've spoken to each other. What the hell is going on? <laughs> what, in terms of the planet or? The whole planet. It was only a matter of time before something actually happened. Um, I, Bill Gates uh, coined it in 2007, where he basically said something like this was going to happen. Um, all yeah. the conspiracy theorists seem to think um, Bill Gates is obviously the driving force behind trying to cull the human race rather than actually looking at the very real thing that we're just consuming everything, you know. And you have these um, these wet markets where they have the animals, they're not exactly sanitary, you know. It, it, we are just a ticking time bomb, aren't we? Yeah. I think um, I saw a statistic, and I'm going to butcher this completely, but basically that this kind of thing where a new disease comes out of somewhere like China almost like four or five times a year and it's just a matter of it being contained and contained and contained and this is just one time where it's got out yeah yeah exactly actually you said the name wrong for the country you want to say in the trump-esque way of china china yeah it's what what i think has made me the saddest about about all of this on top of everything um obviously that's that's bad about a disease that kills people. It's just the way that people have treated each other. The, you know, the 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 vitriol that people have for letting someone else get enough loo roll or or get their shopping. <laughs> what is that about the loo roll? When, when did that become currency? Yeah, well, it's just, it's more to the point. It's like I just look at the sim uh, the symptoms, and I'm thinking, yeah, no, I don't think like mass evacuation of bowels is very high up the list. No, no, no. I mean, I know a lot of people are full of shit, but, but they generally have that within themselves and they keep it there, you know. <laughs> so how are you keeping yourself busy? Yeah, um, oh God. Um, Mandy, my um, my model, is... Uh, yes. <laughs> my plastic model is doing really well for me. Um, yeah. I've always got something. You know, I, just, I mean, I've always got something I can write. I've always got something... I've broken, I need to fix. I've always got something I want to learn. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly ashamed, but I kind of, I like being at home with the family because I like my family. I mean, I know a lot of people can't say that, but I actually yeah. like being around my family. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird. you weirdo. I know, I know, freak. Also, going back to what you what you um, said about people not being kind, yeah. honestly, actually, yeah, it does my head in. It really, really does. Um, it just, it just doesn't take a great deal to just, even if you've been a bit nasty to someone, you can stop and go, you know what? I'm really sorry. Kind of got that wrong. Yeah, sorry. And and it just goes a long way rather than just being a bell end all the time. It yeah, just, no, it, it's, no, it's no good for anyone. I'm amazed just by how spiteful pe- people can be towards people they don't even know. It's one thing to have someone that you don't like and that these times stress that even further, but to have it, I've seen people at shops having full blown arguments. I've seen uh, one woman absolutely tear a like 17 year old girl to pieces who was working on a till because she didn't have something. And I'm just staggered by the, the, the nastiness towards anybody that will just stand in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of, I mean there's so many aspects to this. And like fear makes people do stupid things. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes people just do stupid things because they're just not very pleasant or they're a bit stupid. Uh, it leads mm. back into education. It leads back into just mindset. 
I mean, it, it, it's just like um, the, the field is it's too far and too wide to kind of categorize everyone. But when people yeah. are just being nasty because they're not getting what they want, that's when it all breaks for me. And I just, it, oh, yeah, it, it brings out the worst in me when I see people behaving like that. Well, Jamila studies uh, criminal. Well, she studied criminal psychology, and something that was really interesting when she was doing her masters was she talked to me about how the idea from a, like a psychological point of view of how many sexually deviant people there were in the world crazily changed when the internet came about and you could actually see more and more of how just the sheer scope of how many people were kind of gross human beings. It feels oh, like yeah, this yeah. pan. Well, this pandemic <laughs> feels like it's kind of brought out the asshole version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, it was in was it the fifties or was it no seventies, wasn't it? When the bureau, the FBI, started forming their um, like um, investigative unit into looking at like deviances, and they reclassed various things, you know, like yeah, uh, like listingism, and you know, and it was all kind of reclassed, and it was like a moving target. I mean. <laughs> I mean, with, with now, with these people where they're behaving, arsehole, 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 level two, arsehole, level three. <laughs> well, the game now is to find someone that's not. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's, um, it's, so where we live, it's like a nice little clothes and everyone's quite pleasant and nice. And no one really kind of talks to each other because that's just the 21st century. I say hello to a few of them, blah, blah, blah. Um, knocked on a few doors and said to some of the older people here, you know, they answered the door really gingerly, and I was like, you know, do you need anything? And they kind of at first, they said, what do you mean? And I was thinking, oh, God, they're sick. I'm going to mug them, aren't they? And then I said, no, no, if you need anything down the shop, not, you know, do you need anything? I'm taking everything else, you know? Um, yeah. And then, and then another neighbour, who, who sort of we saw a few days later, they started the WhatsApp group, you know, for our coast. And, you know, there's messages pinging there, do they don't need anything, a waitrose, do you need this, do you need that? Um, we've got um, like a young girl comes out at five o'clock every day um, and she plays her violin. Right. Uh, and and it's, it's just quite nice. But and, and sort of like the thing is, when she's playing the violin, there's, um, I, think there's I think the book's called The. Uh, basically, it's about a cellist in Sarajevo yep. who goes out during wartime to play the cello. And mm-hmm. there's a sniper trying to kill her and all these other snipers trying to trying to shoot so when I was looking at this girl with the violin you know I'm, I'm looking around <laughs> you're checking all the windows yeah it's nice to see people just behaving nicely yeah I mean there has been the, the real the real thing that I've been amazed by is just the sense of community that has come out of some aspects, you know, the people coming out to cheer the NHS workers. I do wish they would just say health workers because there are non NHS health workers, but, um, but, but they're out there, out there cheering there. You know, there's, there seems to be some people that are out there to support, but I'm just absolutely staggered by the desire to be horrible when really that's the last thing we need right now. I know. I know. It's, um, okay. I in so I, I never know just how much is truth, and I, I don't trust the media. No, 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 no. No matter what I'm reading, I don't trust because you can't help but write something with bias. You know, yeah. it's, it's just the way that it is. Um, and there are a lot of articles coming out about NHS workers having their cars smashed and stuff. And you think, bloody hell, these NHS workers—they they put in long days and and they yeah. move people about and. I mean, it's like being a bloody builder half the time because you have to pick people up, move them about. Um, 
obviously, obviously not if you're like a, if you just work in a canteen, but you know. <laughs> but you, well, you with, re- with regards to the. With regards to the media, something I said to um, Jamila, she doesn't watch the news as a rule because it's a, it's a device to depress people. Um, but when she was when she was sort of flicking through the news to see sort of you know what the progression of what was going on was, I said you need to pay very very close attention to the language because there's a difference between someone dying of coronavirus and someone with coronavirus dying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's also um, the, the, the headline always starts off with twelve year old dead, and you think bloody hell, and it, yeah. you know the twelve year old had leukemia, you know, and there's mm. all the underlying factors, and then they come up with things like uh, you know someone's just died, youngest person who's got it, and mm. there's no underlying health issues, but you know it, it could have had a heart murmur, not a heart murmur, but they could have had just something going on, and it's just the media they want to make people scared. I mean, the conspiracy theorists right now. I'm loving it. They're having an absolute field <laughs> day. I mean, I know, it's a shame. It's a shame Alex them. Jones is banned from everything because Alex Jones would be eating this up right now. And they, he was a right unimaginative bell end, wasn't he? He was because yeah. I mean, because he was saying about all the um, crisis actors at Sandy Hook. Yeah, and then you had all these, all these parents coming up. <laughs> it was my kid that was killed. No, you don't exist. It's like yeah, yeah I do. You know, and yeah. and then. I, I, don't get me wrong. There, there are loads of conspiracy theories that actually are quite valid. Um, but if anything big is going on and everyone thinks they know about it, then I guess why would you? Why would Jill or John down the street know about what's going on? I mean, yeah, exactly. Like global new world order. You know, they, I think I, I just don't think that they trust Jill or John. You know. Yeah, no, it's it's that idea that like there's an entire secret government hidden behind the main government that has all seeing eyes, controls everybody, has surveillance in every single home, but somehow Kevin from Cardiff has figured out the secrets. <laughs> I, actually, I, I, I like to stop myself there because when I said Jill, it was just the first thing that came to my head. And there's all mm-hmm. these things which is, you know, Karen from Facebook. And I thought yeah. that's been written by some white guy who's just sitting in his mum's like, basement you know and i thought i've got to catch myself and don't go down that like karen from facebook yeah yeah but but i I do believe in deep state and deep state does exist um not in terms of conspiracy theories but just you have lower echelon is it it an echelon is it higher echelon but you have i'd say degrees of government yeah you have um okay we'll call it bowels then you have bowels (laughs) in government that, that do kind of like dodgy things. And, and every government has dodgy, you know, they do dodgy things. I mean, the British government, oh, dear God, some of the things that we've done, you know, and it emerges. But I, I don't believe it's to the state where um, we've got these fourth dimensional beings that we're somehow feeding our negative energy to and we need never world war to feed them. You know, it, it, it doesn't fly for me. I, I think there's just a lot of selfishness. I think the wet markets, and I think it's just all come to a head. Yeah, I think um, when we look at the way that countries differ in terms of their um, health and hygiene when it comes to food, it's quite easy to see where something like this has come from. Oh, of course. And also, um, I mean, everyone says China. Everyone blames China. It has come out of China, don't get me wrong. But they've got a lot Mm -hmm. of people there. They've got quite an oppressive regime. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, I've seen people... I mean, I've seen bigger savages in London restaurants, you know, not washing their hands, just dropping yeah, yeah. food on plates. You know, and you think just because we consider ourselves more civilized 
it's not the case. Well, I say we, I don't. Um, it's, it's just not the case. You know, it really, really isn't. We've got absolute savages over here. We see savages in every nation. I know I've been to, went to a few places in the US, and honestly, it was like dining in the third world, you know? <laughs> well, you know and, what? There was, a, there was a push a couple of years ago to have, I mean, maybe it's still going on and it's just not newsworthy anymore, but there was a push to have like unisex bathrooms as opposed to having... Uh, individual bathrooms for men and women and I remember saying to my wife if you guys want to go down that route you feel free if you've ever been to a male toilet at a service station and you want to have part of that you go for it yeah, yeah. and also because all, all the all the, um, all the, uh, the like yeah, the, the sort of uh, the people that are transitioning from male to female you bet your damn life they're going don't share with the men don't share with the men mm. Mm. <laughs> they know what men are like you know yeah Some we'll just leave the, the male toilets out. just for men yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. You know, they, they can have yeah. that. Because it's men are savages. I just, honestly, I you just want to look at the parents occasionally and go, gee, Jen, not teach your son to pick the seat up. <laughs> you know? Oh, I was, mate, honestly, I, will, I, was, I was headed to a wedding last year, pretty late last year, and I walked into a service station uh, bathroom on the way there. And you know they have those, like, stainless steel circular sinks where it has, like, the hand wash section and the tap section. It all drains into one. yeah. And there's a guy with his cock out just pissing straight into that. Oh, bless, you know. And I was I just like, I'm cool, I'll, I'll hold it, I'll head off, I'll hold it. I'll figure <laughs> it out when we get there. In all, in all fairness, like, I do honestly consider service stations to like, be like alternative like countries, you know. Like, you, you, you're in <laughs> a country where the walls all differ, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, People I, eating yeah, donuts at nine in the morning. Yeah, I mean, when you're a kid, you're just like, this is the best thing ever. I can play video yeah. games. So your parents, and you're thinking, man, this is wrong. This is like neural programming. They're going to come out this through a bad idea about society. You know, it, it'll be sending down a bad path. Yeah. But I just, I, honestly, also I found a lot of the northern, um, like, uh, like service stations are actually far cleaner than the ones when you get down to London. The London one, I don't know whether or not maybe it's just, too many people or whatever, but they're just savages. The nearer you get to London, the worse they get. Yeah, I think it is just a sheer volume of people. Um, I definitely agree with you on that. And when we've headed north, generally I also find just in terms of service, people are a lot nicer. I think it's just because they have to deal with a lot less nonsense, whereas in London you've just got wave after wave after wave. You know, there's no there's no real yeah. end to the people. But that's, I think people become, you almost become numb to the service industry in London if you don't sort of pay attention to it because a lot of people have never had to actually deal with arseholes continually telling them how shit they are or how crap their service is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I honestly don't understand how a lot of it works because you just have to look at yourself in the mirror every day and think, I'm not a douchebag. And if you've been a bit of a douchebag, you, you kind of need to row it back a bit. Well, I was looking at the fact that oh, like right now my my business is just hemorrhaging money because so much work is being pushed back month month on month on month and um I was thinking like god you know I turned I turned away from having a very stable job to having a job where now you know something like this could be really difficult for me and then I started to remember why I left my stable job and it was because I worked in the service industry and someone tried to stab me with a used needle and I think no I'm I'm good I'm fine with being bankrupt but alive <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Think, hmm, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, so, I, so I have to I, ask. Uh, that's, we're we're going to turn the corner on this. We're going to we're going to make this a positive one now that we've just called the entire yeah. country oh, no, uh, scum. Absolutely. 
Um, what are you? What is it that is keeping you busy? Are you watching anything? Like any good films? Are you? Are you doing any educating of yourself? What What are you doing? Lots and lots of educating. Um, yep. Oh gosh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm literally I'm setting up. I'm doing continual setups with my mannequin and, and yep. just sharing out videos. I've just been doing a load of them. I I'm trying to write. Um, yeah, I'm really glad you spun that into a positive thing because I'm I'm actually quite a positive <laughs> person. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, so I have to really doctor myself. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't always, and and if I if I allow myself, I slide back into that I hate people mentality, you know, because they're just killing everything. Right. But yeah, but my wife, my wife's very positive, and um, and she keeps me on the up and up. So I've just written a blog piece um, about because I, I, I my back is absolutely destroyed, and mm-hmm. I like destroyed it through being a pro BMXer, a rent rider. I did loads of martial arts. I did loads of stuff that basically I didn't. When I was BMXing, I never thought I'd live past the age of twenty-one. So I was just stupid, you know. I just right. did everything. Um, and then you get past twenty-one, and think oh, okay. And then you kind of move on a bit, and got to the point now. Well, back three, four, no, back just over three years ago, I couldn't walk properly. Yeah. And so um, back's destroyed. But now through Pilates, um, changing my diet, uh, giving up alcohol. Um, all manner of stuff. Um, I'm sort of now I can do weight. So now I'm, I'm trying to sort of be positive about my body. It doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm going to write, I've written a blog piece about it, about how I got to that particular point in time where it no longer hurts. And I can go out and walk for five or six miles if I want. And I can do weight and just everything else. But yeah, that's, so I'm trying to write some positive blog pieces. Um, yeah. what else? I've, I've, uh, I've written 45 chapters of a book that I wow. kind of put on high. I know, I know. Um, I kind of put romance it on high novel? Is it a romance oh, novel? Of course, yeah. darling. Yes. <laughs> it's written my love for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the interview, I'm going to come after you with a needle. Um, All right. Yeah. Oh, I like the twist. So, um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're having it, funny. Um, no, it was uh, it's just basically about like an agency that polices parallel universes, uh, and there have to be certain events happen at certain times, and they make sure those events happen, even if someone's getting killed or whatever. But then right. um, something's, something's happening to the world. The world is starting to what they call turn black, um, and it means when an event hasn't happened uh, in that particular universe, um, like uh, nature just basically turns on itself, and the world just just get destroyed through various right. interesting ways. It, it gives me some interesting narratives to actually just write little, little vignettes about, about how, it, how we're going to kill I'm not going to lie, brain. Andrew. It, it sounds like that's what you think's happening to Earth right now. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I could spin a coronavirus one into this, but I thought You, you absolutely um, could, yeah. 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 But that's, um, and, it, and it's just this young kid who's basically a bit of a waster, uh, and it's his journey through your organisation. And they're trying to find out who's doing what and how. And so, yes, I've got that on the back boil. I've just, I've just back boiler. I've just written another two chapters for that. Um, it's really hard to get people to proofread it because you say to them, "Do you want to read my story?" They go, "Yeah, yeah, sure." I mean, you give them. They, I think they think you're going to give them a page or two. You go up forty-five chapters, and then the yeah. next thing you hear is them just going, oh, "Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a babysit, Charlie. Who's Charlie?" Yeah. He, He's, he's my reaction <laughs> man, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to get any kind of feedback on it because it's just so big. So you have to take something, you know, do you want to read an entire book? And they go, oh, 
So what you yeah, need to do well, is you, you need to front load the guilt. You need to message them and say, seeing as you're not doing anything because you're currently stuck indoors due to lockdown, thanks to coronavirus, I thought you'd enjoy reading this book that I've written. And then they don't have a choice. They can't go, oh, it's just about to head out. Oh, trust me. If, 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 I, thought, if I thought people would even react to it now, it'd be just like, nah. Nah. All no, right. you, you, see, you see the message come up and it says red. And then you see offline. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. basically, the second this is all started, um, and I knew that like my work was sort of disappearing for a couple months, I figured it was a good time to focus on doing uh, remote podcasts, teach myself how to do it, and, and start contacting people. And because I can now contact people from sort of farther, like, you know, far, uh, further distances and people that would have been out of reach before, I um, started messaging. And some of the, uh, I've had like, some people that have just sent me a message back that just says like pay question mark. And then I've had other people that have said um, like uh, what's in it for me. And then I've had other people that have just left it on red. And it's it's just so funny watching the different way that people react. It's um, one of my favorite things is someone who basically measured the metric of whether or not he wanted to do it by checking how many followers I had on my various accounts and adding them together. And I said that at that point, I was like, you probably just don't want to do it. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> Shame you couldn't see my face then because I was just eye rolling. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah actually, I, I really enjoy talking because I always feel like I had, I had quite a good laugh and I have a good chat. And um, at the end of it, I've not got to the end of it and thought, I am contractually, I'm done now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm no longer obligated. It's, it's just, at I, the end of the podcast, it, you just walk away and cry. Yeah. I dropped my phone on the floor. I'm like, oh, God. You know, um, <laughs> There are a lot of douchebags out there, and and everyone's on the make, and, and and I get that everyone wants to get their own brand out there, but your you brand has to have some kind of integrity. Um, and also, a lot of people they really do think their stock's higher than it is because oh yeah, loads of people like like their images, and and I look at a lot of photographers, um, and this isn't meant to have any kind of bitchiness, and I just look at their work and think, Wah. You know, like, mm. why? Why are you shooting two stops under? Why are you dragging up the shadows? Is it because you've not learned what a strobe is? Um, yeah. Well, that seems to be a trend at the moment, right? That seems to be that seems to be a bit of a Sony trend of just underexpose everything and then drag it up and then sell a tutorial on how to do that. Oh, God, just don't. I, the amount of people that um, that I consider to be peers and that I kind of came up with and were just doing tutorials now. And I, I almost want to buy them just to see how bad they are, you know. And I, yeah. I don't want to see their Photoshop. Yeah, because yeah. if they give you the if they give you the, the rules, then you can go, oh yes, a howler, you know. But undoubtedly, yeah. they will probably give you PSDs as reference files that they've already tinkered with just a bit, and then we'll say, yeah, this was the rule. Right. Yeah. And no, it's it's um. Well, it's an unintended consequence of the internet, right? It just, now everyone's an expert on everything. So with everyone trapped indoors and potentially not making any money, the best way to do it is to kind of sell presets and sell um, tutorials. Yeah, presets are just, uh, I mean, I, I, there is some, there's some pretty cool tools out there, actually, but just bog standard presets. It, they, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't find one preset that I can apply to my images. That um that would just work for everything just doesn't happen. I mean, on the whole, when I'm processing and I've got a load of batch stuff going on, I um I literally just stick a curved layer on um on on all of them or whatever, uh, and then I start from there after I've white balanced it and capture one. But uh, the idea of just applying a filter to something just 
it blows my mind. It really does. Well, I think as well, it's kind of, uh, it's an interesting, I, well, it's an interesting irony because it's people that want to be constantly recognized as being sort of interested in photography and interested in Photoshop and so on, selling you a way that you can spend as little time as possible doing it because it's such a, a drudge to do it. So it's like, so are you enthusiastic about it or do you hate it? Which way do you go with that? I just see it seems to be incredibly ironic. That is brilliantly summarized, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, when, you, when you're learning Photoshop at first, it, you just look at it and your brain and your heart just sinks, doesn't it? Because it, 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 every, every time you think you've got something, you know, it doesn't apply to the next photograph. You go, oh, God, 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 God. And then for a while, you go through, you're dragging up the shadow phase. And then you yeah. go through your noise phase and then you go through your high key phase uh, until you get to the point where you suddenly realize, should we just get it right balanced and looking okay? And then maybe tweak it. But I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't consider my stuff to be stylized at all because I, I, I don't deliberately set out to try and make it look a certain way. You know, it, it kind of, it sounds really pretentious, but the image kind of tells me what it wants. I can kind of see what it needs if that makes sense yeah yeah i think i have i have a particular sort of color palette that i work towards i've more down to just things that i it's not down to what i love but it's more down to what i hate like i'm personally a really big uh i have a real dislike for incredibly saturated bluey greens so i'm always working hard to take those to take those down um but it's not a case of it being like um i feel like i have um a look it's just more a case of i think that naturally as you edit i mean i edit probably about 150,000 photos a year minimum with weddings and and whatnot that i'm going to naturally end up at the same point quite a lot when it comes to colors yeah of course but i don't think it's a case of having like a drag and drop preset that just can easily do anything i have i have sort of go-to markers for presets that are like okay well i know i like my blacks here i like my shadows here and i like my highlights here and i like my greens to do this and then everything else the image is going to talk to me and tell me in which direction it wants to go yeah because obviously you started off a musician where you're thinking okay i've got to get in the light it's kind of it's got a full where on it to fall it's got to be at a certain level mm-hmm. and then just kind of work because I, I i don't like two stops under or anything else i i, I deliberately try and get everything as right as I possibly can in camera because it just means less work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's um okay, so do you think that you actually find if you have ever used presets that you have to work harder than if you were to just kind of take the image as it is and work from there? I think it stifles development, um, personal development of any kind of processing. If you're just literally just going apply, 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 you're never gonna play about that much. Or if you are playing about, you're playing about in somebody else's sandpit. Because it, it's behaving, you know. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but it's behaving with regards to what they set, you know, rather than just. I mean, I, I, I know how hard it is trying to learn Photoshop and coming in and messing. I mean, it, God, the, the tools that they have there, you know, mm. you can actually destroy an image in minutes if you want. Yeah. Um, but you just have to just kind of take these things one at a time, and. and you really shouldn't try ripping off anybody else's style because it just won't work because they're never really going to tell you what they do. Even in these tutorials, you know, no one is ever completely honest about their images and stuff, about how they come out of the camera a lot of the time. And, or they'll present you with a really, really, really good image. They won't say to you, this is an image that I have. This is a Photoshop that I absolutely tanked because I was hungover. You know, I couldn't walk properly, couldn't see the viewfinder. 
let's try and correct this and we're still going to sell it to them. You know, that, that, that's the tutorial that I'd buy if the images look good at the end of it. Yeah. You have to yeah. really work to get that done. Yeah. I, do you know what? I've got quite a few of the um, RGG EDU. I think they're now called ProEdu um, tutorials. I've got a couple of creative live ones that I've acquired over the last six years. And the one thing I'd say is I'd love to see one where you get to see the pre-production on the actual shoot where, you know, things are being organized and you get to see the test run of everything and you get to see how they actually deal with problems as opposed to what normally happens is it's all set up very cleanly. It's been rehearsed. Everyone knows their job. And then when it comes to the shooting, they kind of implant fake problems and they say, oh, if this ever comes up, what you can do is do this. And it's like, okay, but what happens if something comes up that you weren't expecting? What happens if something comes up that's actually a real problem, not just you've moved the light to a stupid position that no one would ever do and now you've moved it back? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that, was, um, that was always my problem with trying to learn things because they always learn stuff in these really sterile environments. Um, and, and whenever I'd shoot, like a light would fall over and it'd break and I'd have to, or I'd, my lens would go or something, or, and I'd just be on the back foot the whole time. I yeah. don't, just don't like the manufactured um, videos. That's why I, I, I like people like McNally, who are a bit old school. Yeah. Because um, they go, yeah, you move the light there, you do this, that's not working, we do this, you know. And I, I know I mentioned McNally last time, but he's like, um, he's one of the proper superstars. Um, it doesn't kind of get the kudos that he deserves now because you've got loads of these new guys coming up that everyone thinks are so fantastic that actually aren't, you know. But, um, it's about the flashiness of the of the presentation. I think one thing I've noticed with um, YouTube, and I'm trying to figure out a way I could write a blog about this and not be a whiny little bitch, but basically... I've noticed that there's a re- really bizarre correlation people make between uh, the pre-production or the, the production value of a YouTube video compared to the actual usable content from it. So because the, the video is shot in 4K and it's, you know, it's lit with gels in the background and there's all this stuff neatly placed and the person that's talking looks like a model, doesn't actually mean that anything they're talking about is worth listening to. No, agreed, agreed. Again, they're just telling you something shiny. You know, if if, you, if you've got two gold turds and one looks shinier and less messy, you're going to pick up the less messy gold turd. It doesn't matter that it's basically on a pile of diarrhea. You know. I think if you had to, if you had two dog turds and you had Fuji written on one and you had um, like Canon written on another, I think people would argue over which one was better just based on that. Oh God, don't start me on that because uh, I mean the reason I started with Nikon, I'm sure I just did you to last time. I said to my father-in-law, "What camera you got?" And he said, um, "I've got a Nikon." And I was like, "All right." So I went and bought a Nikon. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and and I've been with, and I've been with Nikon ever since. And and. I had someone saying, you know, why don't you go to, what is it, Canon? I said, yeah, give me a Mark D for, is it three mil or whatever it is, five? Yeah, well, I'll shoot with that. Give me some lenses. But yeah, I've kind of bought into a system. I'm going down that route. I like a Nikon D850. It's an absolutely immense camera. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I, I like the look of Fuji's and stuff, and I like the look of Sony's. And but um, and then what makes me laugh at the Sony's is they have these really tiny bodies, and everyone's going, they're so light. And then you still like mugging around the third leg. Yeah. So basically I was talking about this a while back with um, this, this argument, the advertising point that's been made for years about mirrorless is that it's weight saving. Everything is it's weight saving, it's weight saving, it's weight saving. And it's not, I, I literally own 
five and a half thousand pounds worth of Sony gear. It's sat across the room from me. I'm looking at it right now. Every time you put a lens on the front of it, it's not weight saving. It's just incredibly unbalanced. Yeah, because I was thinking, because it's just going to tip. Yeah. Oh, it does. It's, it's, okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, no, you're you're 100% right. You're 100% right. It's an absolute joke. What happens is, is you basically learn to compensate to hold everything by the lens. Whereas when I was on Canon, you could hold the body with almost any lens on it and not feel like there was an issue of like flex in the body or anything like that. With mirrorless cameras, and I think it's all of them with the exception of Fuji and Olympus because they are genuinely such small systems. The idea of full-frame mirrorless falls apart when you realise that you still need to have a huge piece of glass on the front that's now added to by using extra materials to make up for the flange distance. So all you've got is like an ergonomically shit camera that's claiming to be lighter. Yeah, it's kind of where I thought we were going to go, but the minute you say it out loud or online, you just get, everyone just descends on you. So, I mean, I've, I've seen people get hounded out of forums just for saying things like that, you know, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know why people buy into these systems on a on a on a really really massively personal level. Because I don't know about you, but and now I've got to a stage where I'm happy with what I'm shooting and just everything that I'm creating. If someone says to me nick on shit, I'm just going to go, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to yeah. say, oh my god, it's my life. It's it's a tool ultimately, and yeah. and then it kind of I don't I now know that if you give me another tool, fine get around it and stuff. I might not be able to get the exact kind of stuff out of it, but it's just a tool. And the main problem you'll find, if you switch from camera system to camera system, I think the main problem you find is just figuring out the fucking menu system. The rest of it is just, it's a camera. It's, it's, it's shutter speed. It's aperture. It's ISO. Once you learn where those buttons are and you're not, you're not like lost in the menu, it's all the same difference. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously on, on the lower spec cameras, they, they always fight the ISO in the menu. Hmm. Oh, that really frustrates me. When, when I try to show someone their camera, and I spend about 10 minutes looking like an idiot going, where's the ISO button? Well, it's the most dangerous button, right? Because if you get like a newbie yeah, that yeah. doesn't know what they're doing and they accidentally select ISO 12,800, they're going to have a bad time for pretty much the rest of the time they own that camera. Oh, God, yeah. Also, what I hate is camera snobs. Um there was, um, you know, they had those mugs where it says, like, you know, switch it to manual. You know, you'll see real men then. It's like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. Like, yeah everyone's a we photographer till you switch to manual is the T-shirt I always see. Um, yeah, and, I roll. Yeah, and the majority of street photographers I know probably probably most shoot in Aperture Priority. The majority of wedding photographers I know probably shoot in Aperture Priority. I'm someone that does tend to shoot in manual, but it's purely because actually instinctively from the way that I learned photography was I didn't learn from a person. I walked around with a camera and it was in manual and I used the time walking around with it to learn what an ap- what aperture was and then what shutter speed yeah. was. So I, I did it the longest possible way that was the most frustrating, but I now find when I switch to aperture priority or if I switch to shutter priority, I actually feel like I'm a little bit out of my depth. Yes, yeah, me too. Absolutely. I, I did the same thing. Well, I, I, I sit there aiming at my TV, trying to figure out, like, you know, snap, yeah. go out in the street, snap, snap. Everything was manual for me. And it was because I bought into that, you must not be afraid of manual. I mean, it all works, don't get me wrong, but you can't berate people no. for not understanding manual photography because it, it, it's a long game, you know. It also, really when, you're, when you're looking at any image online, when I'm looking at anything that I like, I'm not... 
I'm not someone that's, I, if you do this, I do apologize for insulting you, but I'm not sad enough to be looking at the exif info and trying to figure out how I can um, steal oh their God. settings oh, or anything you, like that. No, no. I, also, it, it, it's all a complete and utter lie because mm. no matter what they shot it with, they could have, they could have brought it up a full stop um, yeah. in Photoshop. Um, and they could, they could have dragged the shadows out. And you're, you're looking at next data data thinking, my camera doesn't do that, you know? And, and it's, it's just, so once I realized that, I was like, it was just a relief to know yeah. that basically a lot, a lot of it is just absolute trickery, you know, and, or, or just technical knowledge rather than trickery. But it, it, it did used to really do my heading looking at, um, exit info thinking, how pixel people, pixel people do my heading as well. But yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's the it's the digital age. I think I was talking yesterday to a wet plate photographer, and like the the perspective he has on photography is just so different. Where it's like he has so few shots to get, you know, get it right. It costs him so much per shot, and he has to really um, do a lot of uh, like pre production in a sense of like making sure that every single variable is under control before he can sort of p- pull the trigger on a shot. And whereas like, you know, for, for people like me where it's digital, it's just like, well, I could technically just, you know, spray until something decent comes out um, and just to hope for the best or fix it all in Photoshop. And I think there's a few too many people that are reliant on that. And there's a few too many people that are reliant on gear saving them from a lack of knowledge. Like the gear is going to make the photo better and it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm when, when I'm shooting in the studio, I'm constantly moving the lights about. And while I'm doing it, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I gibber to the models or to the MUA, like everyone. I just try, try to put the energy up while I'm moving stuff about so they're not thinking, does this guy know what you're doing? You know, and when you're saying, you know, it's a game of inches, you move stuff just a few inches. and you get, But I want as little processing in what you actually do once I get it to, that, that, to, to my PC because I want everything to be good. And I'm oh, so sorry, this is... This is related, but my wife will laugh at it. Just every after a shoot, my wife says, "How was it?" And I'm like, eh, "It's okay." And she'll go, "You say it? Oh, no, no." Put them on a the PC. No, oh, they're all right. You know, I, I yeah. don't you suffer that when yeah, yeah. You, you don't quite realise what you've got, or you expect every shot to be absolutely perfect. It can't be perfect, and there are going to be highs and lows in shoots where you just need to accept that some of the looks won't be as good as other looks, and you just need to keep positive. Till you get to your PC and you see the images and think, yeah, they're not awful, are they? I think as well, you, you get fatigued towards the end of a shoot and you, you've you've mentally exhausted yourself a little bit. So to then, yeah. rev- like it's like review- reviewing a movie that was three hours long the moment it finishes and being asked to give some kind of long explanation on it. You're just not going to have the mental stamina to do it. You do need to kind of give yourself a break and give yourself the benefit of the doubt and come back. The one problem I do find is I come back and look through images and I find that I always wanted one that didn't work to be the one. So it might be like a focus yeah. issue or it might be a lighting issue or a pose issue. And I'm like, that's the one I wanted, but this one issue ruins it. And I almost feel like I'm a spoiled child where I'm like, I just want the one that I can't have. No, I, I get that all the time. I had one the other day um, and I was looking at it and I'm thinking, ah, oh, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know whether or not she moved her head, whether I was just over the, um, the amount that it couldn't focus on like a meter, like, one one foot or whatever, and it, it obviously wasn't focusing properly, so it kind of like the focus bled. Um, and and this image was 
the best image from the shoot. I was like, balls. And I was thinking, can I sharpen it? And then you realise, no, just cut it loose. You've got loads yeah. of good shots, even if this was the best one. Um, but no, I'm the same. I, there were always shots that they, I just, I, I want that don't work out. And it's not a spoiled child. It's because you kind of, you want to do the best work that you possibly can, you know, rather than just go to people, have that, have that. Okay. So I've got a weird question for you. Um, I was thinking about my portfolio right now. If I was to ask you to put together, say, 12 images for a portfolio out of all of the images that you have, what? how old would the oldest image that would make that portfolio be? Interestingly, I got lucky with a shoot. Um, and I was literally just, when I was wandering around, like, ah, like it was like Kevin and Perry when he set my camera off, you know. And all I will pull, taking pictures down here in London Bridge. Uh, and, and this guy basically was sitting there. He was one of the actors um, or entertainers. I'm not really sure how you refer to him in like the London Dungeons. And he was just kind of sitting there having a cigarette. And that must be nearly eight years old. And that was right. definitely being my portfolio. Um, just because he's kind of sitting there, he's having a cigarette. He's got a military jacket on as well. Just like black dude. And he yeah. just looks uber cool. And, and, and even though he's not the most, technically proficient shot because I basically got lucky. Um, I still love the shot. Yeah. And I converted to black and white because I'm I'm a, I absolutely adore black and white shots when they're done properly. You know, rather than just making something black and white to try and achieve something that looks cool. It's it's, it's funny because it's funny because I've been looking back over my portfolio and I'm kind of, obviously now is the time everyone's going back over old raw files and trying to dig out hidden gems and whatnot. And I was just having a look at my portfolio and I realized that probably three or four of my favorite images, maybe three of the top five favorite images were shot between 2015 and 2017. And I'm trying to decide whether that's because I've just got progressively worse. If I was hitting a sweet spot, or if I was just incredibly lucky. Sometimes you're just more engaged. Also, I, I do find the further I'm away from my previous body of work, the more I can appreciate it. The last stuff I've just, the recent stuff I've shot, I, 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 I don't know, I, I can't see it properly, if it makes sense. I can't judge it yeah. on its own merit. So yeah, it, it needs I, I to stew for a bit. The, yeah, yeah. But also, I don't know about you, every image I've got of mine, I can see, I can see flaws in. You know, I look at it and... Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And when people say, oh, that's really good, you're just like, eh. Except you know, for and, this, and this, this, and this, and this, and this, and I don't like that, yeah. and I wish I'd have done that differently. And Yeah, but that's right, it's great, yeah. But when you say that, people <laughs> think you're being, people think you're being immodest, when in fact you are yeah. just being, going, oh, God, have I produced a pile of curd, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's really hard, but the older stuff now, I, I kind of appreciate it for where I was. Because um, I, I used to wander around London at like sort of half past four in the morning, taking loads of pictures, and I realised actually I've got some absolute, Belters mm. from that time. Whereas at the time, I was thinking, "Oh God, the ISO was too high, it's too noisy, it's this, that, and the other." Now I can look back and just go, "Whoa, you know, I really, really think those." And I'm yeah. hoping I will look back in a few years and, and won't be sick all over my you know, body of work from now. <laughs> Uh, it's been amazing to have you back on. Honestly, I'm so glad to hear from you. Hopefully we'll do more of this in the future. What I do need from you, I need two things. Firstly, because everyone's stuck at home, I need you to recommend a film for everybody. Oh my God, a film. Don't watch the latest Star Wars. It's an absolute humdinger of a pile of poo. Really? Yeah. Oh God, it's just, it's, it's like, um, it's like best of. It was like made by Reddit. You know, it, it, it's really <laughs> awful. Um, 
Honestly, it really is. I, can, I, can I give a few? Um, I yeah. watched um, the new Emma the other day. Yep. Um, the, the Jane Austen, that's absolutely brilliant. It's so funny. It really, really is. Honestly, just give You can now get that on um, Prime, I believe, right? You can, yes, yes. Obviously, because of short <laughs> cinema, it's all shut. Yeah, so, tell um, me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Napoleon Dynamite, if you've not seen it. Watched that again recently. Absolute classic. Um, absolute classic, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been going back, revisiting loads of the old stuff. Um, there's like a, a really, really um, sketchy French kind of James Bond, um, like Mickey take called RSS 17, 117. Um, and, and those are really good as well. Uh, okay. Oh, God, there's so many things. Oh, honestly, if this was a film podcast, I could go on for ages. Well, don't don't give any spoilers away, but that is the plan for me and Jamila and one other person very soon. We're actually going to be starting a, a film podcast. But um, no, and the last thing I need from you... Say that again, sorry? If, if you want someone to see it on, colour me in. I'll be in for that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll definitely talk. Um, and the last thing I need from you is uh, where everyone can find your work, please. Uh, uh, yes, I'm, I'm really easy to find because I'm... The only Andrew Clifton hyphen Brown. So my website is uh, andrewcliftonbrown.co.uk. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I've got a personal account and a business account. Um, personal account, I don't quite post so much public stuff just because it's kind of personal. Um, yep. And yeah, you can just generally find me knocking about in my house at this moment in time and for the foreseeable <laughs> future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah TBA um, amazing thank you so much you're an absolute legend I really appreciate this oh dear.